What's up, geek girls, geek boys, and my geeks beyond the binary? This is Emily J with the I. Emily, my dearest love of my life, could you uh, do one thing for me? Yeah, what's up? Before you get going, could you do that thing where you like tell people where to find you on social media and the website, and if they maybe feel so inclined to give us a little bit of money, you know, how they could maybe do that? That thing I forget to do on every episode? Or whatever. But of course. So before we get started, please take a minute to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at iShipItPod. You can also visit us on our website, iShipItPod.com, or email any questions or comments directly at iShipItPod, or to, uh, to us, to us at iShipItPodGmail.com. Every time I say this, I feel like Alexi Darling from Buzzline. You can email me at darlingalexinewscom.net or you can page me at... But if you are feeling supportive and you want to help us grow, you can donate via PayPal, shop our Amazon affiliate link, or buy us a coffee. And last but certainly not least, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends that you ship it. Pretty please. Thor ate a lot of Pop-Tarts in these fanfics. It is a hot garbage fire. Do you not know what sex pollen is? I mean, phantom seed! What? <laughs> I don't care. I ship it. I don't care. Hey there, geek girls, geek boys, and geeks beyond the binary. This is Emily J with the I Ship It podcast, the safe space on the internet where we talk about fan fiction and fandom and all that stuff you've been pretending you're not reading on your phones. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2019. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season. Thank you to those friends and shippers who played along with our little giveaways. Um, we had a lot of fun, so I'm glad I'm glad we did that. And I uh, I hope that the people who got their stuff enjoyed it. Uh, Grace, Caitlin, and Angela, I believe. Thanks for playing, ladies. And I hope to do more fun stuff like that in the future. As I said, it is the new year, uh, so that means new us, right? New year, new me. I don't do that shit. I'm always the same person, but I am deciding this year to acquire some new skills, such as learning to drive a stick shift and learning how to bake bread. And yesterday, <clears throat> yesterday, my friends, I officially baked my first loaf of bread ever. It took two failures, absolute disgusting failures, and then yesterday I tried again and it was perfect. I documented the whole thing via Instagram, uh, my personal page. So if you really want to go and look at it, it's, it's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful loaf of bread. I'm so proud. <laughs> uh, I had Paul Hollywood's voice in my head the whole time. And uh, because it was his cookbook that I was using, that's what Jer got me, one of the things Jer got me for Christmas. And it was just so, it was just so lovely. <laughs> very proud of myself and we had some for breakfast this morning and damn was it good and it could be because I'm just tasting all of my own pride and accomplishment but like it's a hell of a flavor amplifier yeah but anyway I hope that if you made a new year's resolution that you are making as great of strides with it as I am with mine because I've got 50% of it done already and we're still in single digits of January so I just need to learn how to drive a stick shift and like, pfft, this year's in the bag, yo. I'm good. <sighs> but let's get down to brass tacks here. 
what are we doing this week? We're going to go back to basics, ships. We're going to go, we're going to do a little fundamentals, okay? Because it has uh, occurred to me or come to my attention since starting this podcast that there are entire human beings out there who have not been holed up in my own personal greasy corner of the internet for 25 years who have no idea what fan fiction is and why it's important. And because we as a society, I feel like it's becoming more mainstream, but it's also still looked on as a joke because of things like 50 goddamn shades of gray, which we're still feeling the effects of that plague just hanging over us at all times. And E.L. James just getting richer and richer off of her bullshit story and terrible writing. And then you have things like the news that I just heard, which is that Anna Todd's One Direction fanfiction, I shit you not, guys, is going to be released as a film this year. So fanfiction is mainstream now. It's not just something that we, we hide away and shy away from, which is why I started this podcast. But, you know, we keep, Jared, like at work, tries to, you know, tell people what it is that he produces for me. And people are like, wait, it's about what? It's about, like, what is it about? Is it about comic book characters? Not necessarily. I mean, yes, there's a lot of comic book love happening here. But this this is, I'm thinking, a nice little episode, hopefully, that you can uh, offer to people when they ask you what it is you're listening to instead of trying to explain it and then accidentally stumbling into an explanation about why you're reading an online book about Supernatural when you're supposed to be working. Okay? I want to save you from that, all right? I'm here to help. So pull up a seat. Professor Emily is here. Class is in session and y'all gonna learn today. Okay? So let's start at the beginning beginning, which is the definition of fan fiction. It is defined by Wikipedia as fiction about characters or settings from an original work of fiction created by fans of that work rather than by its creator. Fans may maintain the creator's characters and settings or add their own. It is a popular form of fan labor, particularly since the advent of the internet. Fan fiction is defined by being both related to its subject's canonical fiction, fictional universe, often referred to as canon, we've talked about that, and simultaneously existing outside of it. Most fan fiction writers assume that their work is read primarily by other fans, true, and therefore presume that their readers have a knowledge of the canon universe, in which their works are based. So that's a pretty simple explanation. I like the Wikipedia version better than the dictionary.com version because it's a little bit uh, fuller, it's a little bit rounder, a little more chewy, um, and it, it gives a couple good kind of fleshed out examples, I think. So, but the point, the important thing is that fan fiction can be about literally anything. Like I'm talking Greek myths, boy bands, professional wrestling, Books, movies, comics, music, anything. As long as you're using characters or situations previously established in some form of art or media, it's fanfic. And it's good. It it may not be well written, but it is a good thing. Okay? So, now, there is a a kind of, what do I want to say here? There's a, a tendency to think that Fan fiction only started when the internet started. And that, my friends, is not true at all. We have here laid out some research that Emily did. Uh, 
fan fiction, examples of fan fiction throughout history. So sit down. Let me take you on a little spin through uh, the, the, literary, the literary works of the last 500 years. That's right, friends, 500 years. Because the first fan fiction was based on Miguel Cervantes' book, Cervantes's book, Don Quixote, where part one was, a set, was published in 1612, and that's the one about the delusional middle-aged man who thinks that he's a knight and he goes on off all these adventures, but he's kind of crazy, and, and anyway, everybody loved it. Fucking loved it, all right? It whipped people into such a frenzy that a group of fans who just wanted to know more about Don Quixote's adventures and, like, see him keep going published a novel-length collection of their own stories in 1614. They, they published it under the name Alonso Fernandez de Avellaneda, and they called it Part 2. Now, there is some debate as to whether or not it was a bunch of people or one person, but they do know that that was a pseudonym, and they don't know exactly who penned the work. But it was published in 1614. Now, a fun fact about that fan fiction is that uh, Cervantes, was, Cervantes was in the middle of writing his own sequel when The Unauthorized Part Two was released. And the sequel, he was already kind of playing with breaking the fourth wall, so he's having Don Quixote meet people who uh, recognized him from his adventures in the first book. And they like recognized him from the first book because they'd read the first book, which was kind of fun. And then when he found, <laughs> when he found out about this unauthorized sequel, um, he was pissed because, <laughs> hi, these, this person, whoever it was, was now making money off of his creation. So in chapter 59, about three quarters of the way through the book, uh, Cervantes has Don Quixote get wind of this unauthorized sequel and he reads it and he's pissed about how he's portrayed. And so he spends the rest of the book using his main character to point out all the ways that part two got it wrong and like mocking the sequel, which, you know, since uh, copyright wasn't a thing and he couldn't do anything about other people making money from his creation, I think was kind of a baller move. Pretty, pretty funny way to go about it. Uh, I guess Cervantes was in fact furious that this had happened and that he had no legal recourse because like I said, 1614, copyright, not a thing. So there you have it, guys, the first example of fan fiction. But it didn't stop there. Um, and it wasn't always necessarily unauthorized, I guess. Um, it wasn't always like a sneaky, underhanded, backhanded deal like what happened with Don Quixote. Uh, for example, in 1667, John Milton wrote a little ditty called Paradise Lost, which is a Bible fanfic. Um, he took the characters and the stories everyone knew from the Bible, and he explored the story of the underdog in Genesis and the whole deal, the devil. Um, now, personally, when I read Paradise Lost, I fucking loved it from the start because that's exactly what I thought of when I read it. I was like, this is just like, this is just like those Voldemort fanfics that are trying to get you to see shit from his point of view. And it's, it's, you know, it's good it's actually i mean it's as far as uh, old-timey literature and things i had to read in high school it's the one that stuck out the most to me and it's the one that i um i really enjoyed the most and still do but uh like you know you're not so and and it's it's one of those that i felt kind of weird when i was reading it because i was like oh shit i'm like sympathizing with the devil here 
you're not really supposed to do that. In fact, Catholics, the, the Pope had this book, had the poem Paradise Lost on the banned books list as like cause for excommunication if you were caught reading it uh, for years until I want to say like 400 years. Like I don't think it was ever taken off. And when they did away with the banned books immediately going to hell list in the 60s, I think it was still on there. So obviously Milton not really caring about the Catholics because he was super anti-Catholic. But he had a friend who helped him transcribe it because he was blind and needed somebody to help him write it out, who was in Parliament, I believe. And when he had, there's a little story that goes along. He had the, this, this friend had the co- freshest copy of the poem when it was completed in his hand, still like wet ink from the printing press. Um, and he had to go to a session of Parliament. And he, he walked in and he was like reading it while he was supposed to be listening to his job. And somebody said, like, what is it that, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's the greatest, it's one of the greatest poems ever written. So if you um, ever think that you might be the only one who's sneaking peeks at your Twilight fanfic on your phone when you're supposed to be in a board meeting and, like, paying attention and shit, you're not. You're not special. We all do it. John Milton's buddy did it. It's it's all good. So that's one, that's that's example number two. Um, And then we've got uh, Jane Austen. Everybody's favorite, super popular with everyone except me, who wrote all her stuff in, you know, the early 1800s, late 1700s, I guess, but was still so popular by the early 1900s that she inspired a group of fans who called themselves Janeites, bless their cotton socks, to publish and distribute Jane Austen fanzines with theories and stories and like Jane Austen fandom, which I think is the cutest thing in the world. And this all led to this publication of a novel called Old Friends, uh, yeah, Old Friends and New Fancies, yeah, an imaginary sequel to the novels of Jane Austen, which is by Sybil Brinton, which is the first in a very long line of published fan works continuing the story of Jane Austen. I'm actually going to provide a link in the show notes because I was blown away by how many books have been published that are essentially Jane Austen fanfic. So if anybody ever tells you that you can't make money on fan fiction, they are wrong. And you don't have to point out E.L. James to do to prove this. You can pick any one of the following, you know, billion, bill, not billions, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, but the list on Goodreads, I think, has at least 250 titles. So there's plenty to choose from. Um, and uh, I have a fun fact about this one. Uh, supposedly... Uh, Charlotte Bronte uh, was based Jane Eyre off of Austen's gothic novel Northanger Abbey, where the main character is obsessed with a novel called Udolpho and imagines the owner of the abbey to be some heartless douche who caused his wife's death after abusing and imprisoning her. Listen, I don't know. I've read literally zero of the books I've just mentioned. Uh, but the point is that Charlotte Bronte apparently read Northanger Abbey and was like, I want to read about that guy who locks his wife in the attic. That's more my jam and wrote Jane Eyre based on that. Now, I don't know if this is a substantiated claim, but I do know that my friends Adrian and Kevin Hunt are the MVPs of this week's episode because they did all the research for this fun little fact when I texted Adrian at 5.30 this morning and was like, hey, I have a Pride and Prejudice question. You're the only person I know to get this, to give me this information. They're the best. I love them. I thought it was Pride and Prejudice. It was not. They did the research. <laughs> They sent me a link 
to where you can read Udolfo on Kindle for free, if I so choose. And uh, they're wonderful, and I love them. So, mwah. thanks, guys. Um, so cute. Moving on. In the 1920s, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes inspired little gatherings all over the world to discuss Sherlock himself, his cases, and speculate on things like his cocaine addiction, and I assume to gush about whether or not he and Watson would ever end up together. They, like the Jainites, published this fanzine <laughs> called the Baker Street Journal, which was full of like other theories and fandom squealing. And uh, most notably, this is where we believe as a society of fanfic historians that the birth of the self-insert fic really kind of happened. Um, if you don't know what a self-insert is, please see all of the episodes that I recorded in September. Uh, they're all listed as the cringe binge. Self-inserts uh, where these authors in the Baker Street Journal would frequently write about what would happen if they met Sherlock Holmes, which is like so cute, you guys. <laughs> it's just adorable. Um, I'm just like, mm, you guys are so cute. <laughs> Um, I do like that they speculated on his cocaine addiction, though. Apparently, that was like every source I, I found that was where that was a big, it was a hot button issue in the 1920s, which I guess, given that we were on, you know, the brink of prohibition and, and all that, or we were in prohibition. Yeah, we were in prohibition at the time. So all that nonsense was still going on about like, oh, should we ban all vices because that'll make them go away kind of a thing. Um, these little, these little salons were super popular in New York and London, but I've been told, I've been told, I've read that they were um, kind of all over the world. Anywhere that uh, Sherlock Holmes was published, people were gathering to to squeal about their fandom. <laughs> so, you know, my point is, this has been, that fan fiction and fandom has been along around way longer than Fifty Shades or even, you know, the infamous Star Trek zines that then found their way to Usenet and use groups, which then led to the birth of websites like fanfiction.net and now we have archiveofourown.org. It's important to remember where you came from. But my point is that there always been a thing and it probably always will be a thing and thank God for that. Am I right? Because I don't know about y'all, but mama needs her fanfic. But why do I need my fanfic? Why does this matter? Does it matter to you? I hope it, I hope it does because, uh, because you're listening to this. And, or if you are listening to this as at the behest of somebody else, I hope you understand why it matters to them. Because it's important. Um, I'm not going to say that fanfic is the most notable of all art forms. It isn't. But it is important in the fact that it's a way to explore both as a writer and a reader ideas that you won't get to see presented in canon, most likely. Um, it's this total safe space playground where you can curate the kind of content you want from, you know, with which characters, from which universe, you can cross them over, you can mix and match, you can say, I only want to read G-rated, you know, sweetness and light, fluffy, fluffy fanfic right now and there's tons of it out there and you can't as a writer i'm speaking from experience you can't do half the things in original fiction that you can do in fanfic like 
If I wanted to write a story about two men falling in love while they're working in a coffee shop, I could. But I'd have to dedicate a good deal of time to building that world, developing these characters, setting the scenes, to give the reader some skin in the game and like something to chew on and care about. I'd have to work harder. And that's not to say that authors of original fiction and authors of fan fiction are not working exactly as hard. They are. Sometimes, and I'll get to this in a second, sometimes fan fiction writers are working harder, I would say, as a writer of both. But, but if I wanted, but for instance, so that's what I'd have to do if it was an original fiction. Now, if I wanted to write about a coffee shop where, for instance, Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes have been covert covertly flirting with each other while filling orders for lattes and trying to work up the nerve to ask each other out, I don't have to worry about all those little intricacies. Like I can assume that if you're reading this, you already care about Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes and you, like the rest of the world, would love to see those boys be given the chance for a happy ending, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> and that you understand that we're never gonna see Steve ask Bucky out in the MCU or the comics. And you read this fic because it's soft and fluffy and it gave you a chance to see a piece of your fantasy come to life. And I think that that's really important here because to, to note here, because it is important to be able to see, to see parts of your fantasy played out and to know that, you know, A, you're usually not the only person who's wanted this thing or thought about this thing. And B, that you're not, like I said, you're not alone and that it's, it's a piece that, that kind of adds to your enjoyment of the, of the canon. Like for instance, my love of Darcy Lewis and Steve Rogers, that shit's never gonna happen in the MCU. They're, I mean, they're, that's, that I, I will put my hand on the Bible and swear to God that Darcy Lewis and Steve Rogers will never meet in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if they do, I'm sorry, and I guess I'm going to hell with John Milton, but uh, I'm willing to take that risk because that's just not going to happen. And even if it did, it wouldn't happen the way that I wanted to happen. So, but that doesn't mean that my, uh, my appreciation of these characters and my fantasies and the things that I want to see are less important. So why shouldn't I be able to go to a safe place on the internet and read about people that I, characters that I love falling in love and see my my imagination brought to life. That's important. You should be able to do that. And fan fiction is, like I said, it's a safe space. I mean, people want to have this fucking discourse and fight and, you know, have these ship wars or whatever. But that at the base of it, like, this is where we play. It's okay. Anything that we do here. I mean, if you're not hurting anybody, for God's sake, and, and usually when you're writing or creating fan art, you're not hurting anybody. And as long as you're not advocating going out into real life and doing specific things or whatever that could cause harm to somebody else or yourself, then it's, it's good. It's an expression and expression is important. Um, and the other thing that I'm leading up to is that fan fiction and fandom is as much about the community as it is about the content. Like I, I would not write fanfic if I didn't have anybody to share it with. There have been times that I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know anybody who likes this, but I'd love to write fanfic for it. And if I look and I see that it doesn't exist on the internet, I just, I won't, I won't write it. <laughs> or if I do, it's not as fun because I don't, 
it's like you're sharing a secret, you know? It's like at, um, it's like at Girl Scout camp when you were sharing, like, you know, first kiss stories or you were telling ghost stories or whatever, you know, and, and everybody gets excited with you and, and gets all riled up and everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat like, then what happened? That's, that's really important. <laughs> you, you guys heard me talk about Darcy Land and the Shield Shock community, but there are groups like this all over the internet and they have been since the internet started. I mean, I guess we started for, for, for military purposes, but basically as soon as people found that they could connect to other people, they were like, hey, I really like this thing. Do you like this thing? Let's talk about this thing. Because we're tribal, communal, social animals, and we need that. I mean, there are uh, pockets of people who all love the same things you do, and, and they want you to read and experience the art. They want to read and experience the art that you're putting out into the world, and they love you, and they support you, and they let you bounce ideas off of them while you're struggling with creative blocks. Fuck. Guys, the world is a scary place. We need our happy little corners of like-minded friendships. I mean, this shit matters. I know it sounds silly, but the silly stuff, when it's as dark as it is right now, the silly, the silly stuff matters. And don't let people tell you otherwise. Stories are important. I mean, back in, you know, I don't know how many, how many stories I've read or heard about, you know, people in concentration camps secretly telling each other stories because books were of course taken away and they had no access to any form of entertainment so to keep themselves sane they would remember fictional stories and tell them to each other and that was the only way that they kept their humanity that they felt like people and there's a book called uh when books went to war which broke my heart into a billion pieces because it was all about the um the novels that were sent to the military during World War II. Um, and they were, you know, first they were sending regular paperbacks and then it was, then there was just, there was, you know, I don't know if there was a ban, not a ban, but there was, you know, it, it, was, it became inefficient to send full paperbacks. So they started printing on these little, like basically like newsprint, these little smaller versions of, um, of books. And the idea was, you know, you'd read, They'd last for like two or three readings and then they'd disintegrate. They'd fall apart. Um, but the soldiers loved these books so much that when they, um, when they would start falling apart, they would, you know, take such good care of them. They would keep them in separate pieces and they would share those pieces. So at any given time, you could have three different books that you only had the first part of. And then you'd have to find the person who had the next part and trade with them. And, and they would end up telling each other these stories. And it wasn't like, you know, and the books that they're the two, the two kinds of things that they love to read the most, I found this amazing, was um, uh, obviously romance novels, the, the smutty kind, because hi, soldiers. And <laughs> the second kind, um, this actually broke my heart a little bit. Uh, the most popular book, the most requested book was A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And um, that's about a teenage girl. It's a 13-year-old girl. It's a coming-of-age tale. And it was written for young women, but these soldiers who were experiencing these horrible things loved that book and because it was so... It gave them, it gave them a connection back to their humanity and let them kind of process what they were experiencing and what they were seeing. And I, 
I'm not going to keep talking about this because I'm going to cry. But what I'm saying is <laughs> that stories are important. And with fan fiction and fandom communities, you share those stories and you share a love for them. And it's important and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Have I mentioned it's important? I don't think I've said that enough this episode. Don't let anybody push this under the rug. It means what it means and it means a lot. All right. So that's, uh, that's fanfic through the ages. That's why it's important to me. Um, like I said, it's, uh, it's coming out guys. Guns a blazing. We have, uh, swum the murky waters of 50 shades of gray, which then I believe was, and it wasn't, I mean, I know, okay. I know it was turned into a movie, which were terrible. Um, a series of movies, which were terrible. And, but then I think the movie, the book club with like Meryl Streep and Murphy Brown and not Murphy Brown, sorry, Candace Burton, um, and a bunch of other, uh, maybe Diane Keaton. I can't remember. Shit. I should have done my research, but, uh, I think it was about those women reading 50 shades of gray. So this is now, I mean, we're like eight levels deep. This is like fixception because it was a, a, a not great series of books which was then turned into a worse fan fiction, which was then turned into a worse real fiction, which was then turned into a terrible movie and now referenced in what I assume was probably an average rating of like maybe a 37 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm so sorry, ladies, but I don't think that movie did very well. I could be wrong and I will correction corners my, corrections corner myself next week if I was. Anyway, that all of that shit, that was all based on a fanfic. So... Good job, E.L. James. <sighs> Jesus Christ. But, like I said, there's a there's a One Direction fan fiction that is being turned into a film that we can all watch this year. I think it's called After. Um, obviously, the, the Harry Styles character is named something other than Harry Styles. I don't know anything about One Direction fan fiction, and that is a true statement because every single member of One Direction could mug me in an alley, and I would not be able to pick them out of a lineup. I'm an old, we've discussed this, my boy band was the Backstreet Boys, and I've basically ignored every single one ever since. So, but Anna Todd, I guess, wrote this billion hits fanfic that everybody knew about, and now it's going to be a movie. So you can make money on this. People have, people I'm certain will continue. Um, it is not nearly as in the dark, under the covers, back behind, back in the closet, uh, underground as I would say my mainstream medium media would like us to believe it's like the it's still the butt of everybody's joke you know like you know everybody's a true nerd if they write or read fan fiction fuck that I am a true nerd and I write and read fan fiction all the goddamn time but I don't you know necessarily appreciate the vibe that is put out there um by you know by those uh those in power right now and by power, I mean the gatekeepers of uh, the, the creative world, the, the ones who mock us in the media. It's a lot more popular than you think, guys. And I think uh, we, should, we should love and respect it, give it the respect and attention that it deserves. <laughs> that being said, now I mentioned early on in this episode uh, a little thing about Star Trek zines. And that is where... A lot of people think that fan fiction started, and, and granted, that is where, I guess, the modern era 
of fan fiction kind of began. Um, if you had a heat map, I guess that would be where it started. Um, where Star Trek, the Star Trek fandom phenomena had people writing stories. I believe they called them specs, you know, speculative fiction or pastiche or whatever. Um, had them writing stories and then they were publishing these fan magazines like the Jay Knights did and the Baker Street Journal. Same thing, except it was about Star Trek instead of Jane Austen and Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there's one, there's one thing that I read once that was like, you know, if you guys think it's bad when you get anonymous hate on Tumblr, just remember that at one point there was one author uh, of a Star Trek fan fiction who hated another author so much that she stood outside where this author was distributing her fanzines and like persuaded people to give them to her when they came out and then swapped them for a zine with her stories in it instead and and like just wrote stories to spite this other author and published her own fanzine of like for that purpose just just to spew hate at this other Star Trek writer. So also Flame Wars, I guess, have been around since the dawn of, I'm certain the dawn of time, but definitely the dawn of the, of the most recent wave of the, this era. Um, so Star Trek is the one that everybody kind of points to, where uh, if you go on the, if you trace back the bloodlines of the internet, there was a website called Usenet where it was, I guess it was, I mean, it was in the 80s, Please bear with me. I, I don't know very much about it, but it was. I, I think it was kind of like a very early email server where you could send stuff or not really publish it, but you could email it to each other, like mail it to each other. And there were groups, there were use groups that you could like do like a group mailing to, and they would get it in their inbox. I think that's how it worked. But anyway, the um, a lot of what I read said that the Star War or the Star Trek fandom really flourished there. So I went looking this week because I, I needed to give you guys a fic as well. I couldn't just give you a history lesson and not do my own homework, which is always to bring you a fanfic and a recommendation to read. So what I found was uh, a website called trekfiction.net, which is, to my knowledge, the oldest fan fiction archives still online to this day. Now there probably are older ones, but this is the one that has been going the longest and has never been taken down. This website started in 1995, guys. That was a long ass time ago. And uh, it has been hosting and publishing fan fiction, Star Trek fan fiction since then. So, I did some digging and I went and found what I could find as the oldest fan fiction on that site. And it could, there could be more, there could be older, but this is the one I, I went looking for publishing dates and this is the one that I found. So this fic was <laughs> written in January of 1997, okay? Now, in 1997, I was nine years old. I was listening to a lot of Mariah Carey. I'd just gotten my first stereo for Christmas a month before. 
I was shopping at Rave, much to my mother's dismay. Uh, I was shopping at Gadzooks a lot as well. And I think, not 100% sure, but I think I was still stocking up on Beanie Babies to start planning for retirement. I'm pretty sure that was at the height of the Beanie craze. And I figured I'd be set for life because I had the red bull Beanie Baby that they stopped producing in 1996. I also, I believe, had recently discovered the Warm Vanilla Sugar Body Spray from Bath & Body Works. So I smelled like a chemically infused cookie 24-7, and I probably had a hair wrap. It was amazing, guys. It was a good fucking time. And I picked this fic because not only was 1997 a great year for Emily, but um, the, the cool thing... Maybe not so cool, because now I know these people's college email addresses. Um, about trekfanfiction.net is that it contains, the stories published contain the original email tags and addresses and dates, which is how I know it was January 7th. Oh, you know what? Like, right on time. This is this is an anniversary fic. Who knew? Um, so, uh, yeah, so this will be the... What shit? What what is this year? This is the 2019, 1997. So like uh, 22 years. Yeah, 22 years since this fic was created. Uh, this week on it'll be yeah I, when this is pub posted it'll have been yesterday. So happy 22nd birthday. This particular fic. Um, but anyway, I picked it because you can like I said you can see the email addresses and. Um, one, it was sent from a Penn State University student to a Pitt student. And those are the two main schools in my home state of Pennsylvania. So, uh, great. So fun. I had to call out my home, my home state. Now, when I am going to talk about this fic, if I mention the author, I'm probably going to refer to this author as a he. And I don't really know why. But I am just prefacing it. There's nothing to indicate either way. And actually, I shouldn't do that. Because seven something like 83% of uh, Star Trek fan fiction writers are female or were when um, when this all went down, <laughs> or when this was popular. But uh, for some reason in my brain, I cannot, I cannot think of a Star Trek fan fiction writer as female. And I I feel like I need to address that because it's something weird, some weird blockage in my mind. Literally every other fandom, I assume it's all just run by women except Star Trek. And maybe that's because every Star Trek fan in my life has been male. But the hardcore ones, I'm sure I'm going to get, you know, people that I know and love being like, uh, fuck you. I've loved Star Trek since I was 10 and you just never listened to me. <sighs> Sorry. Anyway, this fic is called... Orfeo? Possibly it's called Orfeo. <laughs> Before we get into it, uh, it's, it's by an author named Macedon, which also feels kind of masculine to me. And it is from the uh, Deep Space Nine category of Star Trek. Before we start, I will warn you, I don't know anything, anything about Star Trek. It is a, uh, a point of almost pride, I'd say, that I have gone my entire life 
without ever watching a single episode. I don't get any of the humor. I've seen one of the movies and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I went with Jer because we did a double header. I picked the first one, he picked the second. I had no idea what was happening. Didn't mean I couldn't enjoy Chris Pine in a tight fitting blue shirt. But that was, that was pretty much the end of my understanding. So I read this fic completely blind. But here is the summary. When Bajor hosts an interstellar musical, music festival to which a very unusual star singer is invited, Jake must face questions about friendship, manhood, and culture, as well as freedoms of belief. Now, I didn't know who the fuck Jake was to begin with. I had to ask Jer. He told me he's like the, basically the human, kind of a human self-insert. He's a human being. Um, he was like the 17-year-old, like, plucky cadet who was, you know, the writer and the, you know, kind of uh, Robin to everybody's Batman and like running around getting into normal teenage hijinks on Deep Space Nine. That was what I was told. That was what I was told. I did a little bit of Google searching. Not very much. So if I mispronounce any of these names, you're just going to have to forgive me because I did not have time to absorb the entire Star Trek canon before finding this particular fic. Don't worry, guys. There's a link. You can read it in its entirety. However, I will warn you that the uh, presentation on trekfanfiction.net is awful. <laughs> Single-spaced, size 6 font. Um, my old lady eyes had to zoom in. Like, my screen was at, like, 300% because I couldn't read it. And uh, I was like, why is it formatted like this? It's so bad. And Jay was like, I'm pretty sure it's because it was living on like notepads of so many, you know, desktop computers running Windows 95. And it's just been copy and pasted for so many years that they just had to, they just didn't have to worry about formatting anymore. And they just threw it on this website to be done with it. And I was like, that's probably correct. So spare your eyes, zoom in, darken the screen if you can. It's fine. So this fic, they're on Bajor, um, and there's all kinds of, or they're floating above Bajor. I guess it's a space station. Um, it's above Bajor or near Bajor or whatever. And there's all different kinds of people or species that are um, here for this music festival. Now, I don't know if I'm supposed to understand, like, the subtle racist constructs about how there's a big difference between Klingons and Zulus and Vulcans and Bajorans. I don't know anything about any of them. I'm just looking at that lady over there getting coffee. What's up with her face? Is she a human or is she like Worf? You know Worf from Star Trek, how he has all that shit all over his face? But he's just a human in a costume, you know? Morty, let's see what else is on, huh? Okay. But they're pretty heavy-handed with the references, so it wasn't too hard to pick up on the backstory. Um, there was... There was one line that I, I chuckled at without having any context whatsoever, which was, uh, you're right, I know, but this just feels barbaric, something the Cardassians would do. And I kept reading. They mentioned the Cardassians a lot, or Cardassians maybe? I don't know. Anyway, I kept reading it as Kardashian, and it just made everything a lot more palatable. So whatever barbaric thing the Cardassians would do, that's what's happening in my brain. So Jake, our plucky cadet, gets partnered up with this uh, Vulcan mu musician named Saline, possibly Saline, possibly Saline, I don't know. 
um, who is a eunuch and a singer. And it's a very genuinely sweet fic about friendship and overcoming bias and religious freedoms and prejudice. I was quite pleased that I found that I could enjoy it without knowing any of the details of the world I was stepping into. So even if Star Trek isn't your jam, um, I would recommend that you zoom your screen in to 300% and uh, give this fic, you know, the 20 minutes it takes to read it of your time. It was like 10,000 words, but it flew by pretty quickly. So I don't know. Again, it's called Orfeo or Orfeo. <laughs> I don't know. One or the other. I don't know where my accents are supposed to be. And it is by Macedon and there will be a link. I suggest you check it out. And if you happen to recognize either of the uh, Pennsylvania University emails, <laughs> tell that person that you know what they were doing in 1997. Oh my God, I hope it was somebody's dad <laughs> or mom. I hope it was somebody's parent who wrote these. And you can, you can bring it up at the next family, family gathering. Because um, that's, why wouldn't we want to do that? That is my show for you guys this week. Um, your homework, if you don't read fan fiction, is to give it a try. Uh, your homework is, if you do read fan fiction, to continue doing it and to participate. Remember how we talked about a while ago, a couple episodes ago, back in September, about the zero comment challenge? That's your homework this week. I want you to go into your favorite community. I want you to go to your favorite website, go to your ship, sort by reviews, number of reviews, little, less to most or whatever, backwards to four, well, how the fuck to say it. But pick the fic with no reviews, read it, and leave a review if you like it, okay? That's your homework for the week. So, we all have an assignment. <laughs> we all know what we're doing. I thank you for your time and attention. I will talk to you all next week. Until then, have a wonderful start to this beautiful new year and get your ship together. Together.